welcome to the Wayfinders Podcast. With Bryce Talsma, Paul Wagman, and Taryn Kavanaugh. And today, we're going to be inaugurating our first podcast with some very exciting guests. Paul, you want to start us off? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, we've got Jack Rennie comes from Gaff in Saskatchewan visiting us from Prince Albert. Thanks for being here, Jack. Thanks for having me on. And uh, secondly, we've got John Bricks. He's uh, traveled from Athabasca to be here for our very first podcast. Thanks for being here, John. Thanks for having me. Now, we're going to uh, talk about a few different things that Wayfinders, uh, since it's our first podcast, that Wayfinders is established on. Um, Wayfinders is a nonprofit established um, on the wine glass ranch on the banks of the Jumping Pound River. We've got a beautiful location here, an old ranch house where we've uh, basically restoring it into a wellness center to experience a variety of different wellness modalities. And, and really what we're doing is we're trying to experience um, all positive things which, which reach towards exponential growth and allow people who are suffering from OSI or, or, or trauma or PTSD to not experience the permanent injury um, and, and really find their own way in recovery and, and healing. So that's going to be the subject of our, pers- our, our first podcast. Right on. Well, and I, I have to say, you know, we've been working towards this for, for a long time. And one of the things that um, drew me in, and I think is one thing we want to communicate to, to everyone who is uh, brave enough to listen, is tearing down those walls that, that separate us from each other, whether they're walls of, you know, we, when we come from a first responder community, we come from a military community, we have these professional walls that separate us from people. And then on top of that, we have these walls that separate us from, from the everyday society. And then you go even one further is we just don't know how to ask for all those resources and help. And I think that's one of the things that I I'm drawn to is in this organization of the wayfinders. And one of the things for all of us is as we're pursuing to be our best self is to tear down those walls. And I think that's one of those things that's coming out. Of, uh, yeah. It's going to be one of our goals as, I, as a group. I agree. I think uh, it's a really, that's a really good point is uh, for those guys that are getting out of either the police or uh, first responder role or military role is, most of the time when you get out of that role, you just don't know where to go or who to turn to for those resources. And you know, Wayfinders is a way to help some of those people that may be lost on their pathway to help them get on the straight and narrow and find the resources that they need to help them out. Very good point. That's right. Thanks, Darren. We, you know what we found in the, in the creation of, uh, of Wayfinders is not just the unique brand of being positive and being focused on on the things that uh, that challenge us to uh, to raise that bar when it comes to uh, our injury of uh, of mental health and, and that w- and wellness but really is to uh, is to engage all of the services and use emergency responders um, the military and in this occasion with wayfinders our family as uh, as, a, as as a model of which we need to really focus on so on that subject I'd like to maybe start asking Jack on some of the things that he's been doing successful because he's been um, operating with GAF with uh, you know, with Fabian Henry and, uh, and and doing a little bit of work. Well, I, I, actually, I'd like to jump in right there. I mean, yeah. before we even go too far, I mean, I, I want, this yeah. is the first time I've had a chance to even meet you, Jack. So oh, um, I, I would love to hear, you know, maybe a little brief introduction about, um, you know, what you're doing, who you're, uh, who you're working with and really what's bringing you here today. And then, I think that can open up the conversation. So, um, <clears throat> my name is Jack Rennie. I'm an advanced care paramedic by trade. And uh, I've been uh, part of the mental health advocacy realm 
since uh, about 2012. Um, I was initially involved with the Temaconta Memorial Trust and uh, won the scholarship while I was in school and uh, got flown out to the conference and learned sort of uh, what uh, was facing us as not just an industry, but as first responders, military, um, specific to, you know, uniform personnel. It uh, uh, was really affecting me as an individual, and I just, uh, you know, really found a passion for that. So back in uh, 2014, I um, had my first uh, conference, PTSD conference. And um, from there, from there, um, it just opened up that awareness. So um, we uh, had some other people, um, you know, other agencies join us in uh, Moose Jaw when I was working there as a paramedic. And, you know, it really just opened up uh, a whole new world that people hadn't really admitted they were struggling with. So um, from there, I really started being open about my journey and my story. And um, I was sort of looking at it from the lens of if I was able to help one person come forward and ask out for help, then... Uh, uh, that was made it all worth it. It uh, allowed me to be vulnerable and uh, actually open with my story. And from there, um, I uh, actually left the profession for about a year and traveled for seven months across Asia. I went to India, Japan, Cambodia, and I, I learned different uh, ways to heal myself. And uh, that was with the intention of being able to bring that back and uh, share some of those insights that I'd learned with uh, other people. Jack, did you find that that, that journey was uh, was one that you were you were you were trying to find something um, after recognizing that you you had PTSD and you had trauma? Was there something that you were looking for in that journey? Yeah, so I knew that I had PTSD. I didn't go the conventional route of getting diagnosed because, <clears throat> to me, um, that didn't really appeal to me because. Um, you know, as a child, I was diagnosed with a learning disability and ended up doing neurofeedback. And uh, the neurofeedback got me to a place where I was able to be on the honor roll. And, you know, uh, really knowing what the medical system can can uh, uh, challenge you with, being put in a box, I, I thought uh, what I had to do is uh, forge my own path, carve my own way. And... Um, that, uh, that brought me to taking that journey of self-discovery, um, started my recovery journey, and uh, I think um, I wanted to help other people after that. So, so what's quite interesting about that actually is, so you had mentioned you know, halfway through there about defining your purpose being if, if it could just help just one person. That would, that would justify your effort. It would justify perhaps uh, the suffering. And I, that really spoke to me because I think there's some part where, you know, when, if you're, if you're going through a trauma or, or, or you're, you're in, um, the point in life where things are starting to disintegrate, you're in that, that, that destruction feedback loop and you become very inwards focused because something's not right. Especially if you're going through a mental trauma, you're going through those injuries where all of a sudden those things that were working for you before aren't working and whether you're going through standard therapy or, or whether you're, you're doing so, it becomes very inward focused, becomes about you. And that, and you, I think you have to go through that. That's something that everyone has to go through. But then you know, that's that one. That's that one critical step next, where you now start looking outside of yourself. How do I pay this forward? How do I justify myself? How do I make this make sense? And that's by making it better for someone else. And I think that's, um, it, 
is because you take this journey, you, you go to South Asia, you, you, you make it about you, but then all of a sudden it becomes almost external focus again. Is that, is that about right? Yeah. So um, what I sort of attribute it to is uh, I began studying mythology to try to make sense of what happened <laughs> because, um, you know, I hadn't really learned much about it or didn't know much about the local First Nation traditions and Vision Quest and Rites of Passage. So I found something in Joseph Campbell's work called The Hero's Journey. The Hero's Journey is where you embark, you know, on this uh, unknown. You answer the call to adventure, and that's sort of where I really found um, a lot of fear and resistance at first. But once I started taking it, I got all sorts of helping hands. And I, uh, at the end of The Hero's Journey, once you've sort of integrated some of that stuff, then that's actually the last part is sharing it and sharing that to other people who are going through some some of what you've went through have you guys heard of the hero's journey before have you ever i'm not familiar but i know jack was talking about it so actually i i am really familiar with this so this is the idea of of archetypes so we have these ancient stories that we have whether they're in the judeo-christian within the bible which is one of our older stories but they're all even fairy tales cinderella you know um you know the ancient stories that the, the aboriginals have they all speak to these archetypes and they're they they transcend all cultures, and they all talk the same things. And it's it's the idea that we tell stories before we can understand what they mean. Mm-hmm. And the hero's journey is actually something that we're all supposed to go on, and we all do in our own way. And then it's it's finding out, you know, sometimes in that hero's journey when you you stare into the abyss and you could actually be destroyed. Yeah, it stares back at you. Yeah, well, exa- well, that's what Nietzsche said. Yeah, but when you but but. That hero's journey is is reassembling yourself and making yourself something better than you were before, because you're you're now awake to the world. Yeah, and I think a lot of people get lost on their journey, especially coming out of the first responder military world, where you you want to go back to how you were before your your service or before the profession. I think a lot of us can relate to that, but the whole idea behind this is uh, you're actually transforming, you're metamorphosizing into something almost better you're becoming integrated with your shadow and uh you know your shadow self is uh basically you know you become you get a certain peace with that um and uh really to be integrated is to have integrity and to be able to walk proudly and to walk uh um you know so you, so you speak about the shadow now i actually want to i want to hear about this because the shadow is the idea that we all have this darkness within us and that's actually for those who have ptsd with um, a moral injury that's often because you're now faced with actually you faced evil you now have seen evil you can't turn away from that and that and oftentimes can shatter someone because their their worldview especially if you grew up in a safe place like canada you can't understand that people would actually be evil oh well they don't actually mean that they're everyone has good intentions and then you meet someone who's an actual evil douchebag like a psychopath like a psychopath (laughs) sociopath or just a bad person like we don't even have to give them a, a, a label they're literally right. just they've chosen to be evil right that's an actual thing you can do they're lost in the abyss essentially so, right but it's all the same because they're all the same mark one human we all have that capacity in us so has has, has anyone else experienced that maybe when, when they're in those first moments when you're like maybe a first fist fight you've been in or you know for those who've been in combat or whether you're, you're you know you come up against a bad guy you know in the role of being a police like Paul how about yourself like like, like the first time that you experience your shadow of what you're capable of. Yeah, you know, it's it's a good I think it's a growth too because it's a, it's it's a growth mentality, a warrior mentality that we, we become trained with and 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 that happened over a period of time. Started in the playground, 
how we interact as children with you know with with our peers and and you know we get into fist fights and how we interact um, you know with with violence and then you know you, you, you gradually uh, fit those social social norms and 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 outward violence is not acceptable because we live in Canada and it's, we're not exposed to it and then you know you you, you join a uh, a service of which you're exposed to a, a great amount of violence on a, such a frequent basis. And you're right. I remember the very first time I ever got struck by a woman and she reached into her opposite back pocket and just came out and just clocked me. <laughs> and there, right there is a reminder, you know, it's like, it doesn't matter. It comes I, from everywhere. I want to say for, for that girl who did that, I want, like that's brave. Cause if you don't see this on live, Paul's about six foot three and you're pushing what? two twenty right now. Well, you got, got me a little heavy and a little short, but you're close. <laughs> <laughs> I always go heavy because I always listen. The, the, the important thing is, is yeah, you scare the sh out of me. Well, I mean, you know, it, I, I wouldn't fight you face to face. Say, so, so whoever that gal was, I mean, she had more stones than I do, and uh, well, that was a good one. She she swung and she hit me and she connected and it, it really struck a chord with me as far as uh, having to be prepared for that. And then, in time and time again. You got interactions, uh, and you had to you had to respond. You had to be prepared as a warrior, and it was constant exposure to things that you were not frequently exposed to, as far as that uh, that that part of society. And then, you know, you, well, and, and even that part of yourself. Well, that part of yourself, because you're adapting, you're changing to that environment. You know, so you're becoming what you're believing to be resilient to a physical environment. Mm. Um, the one thing we we and and that was part of the training too. Uh, what wasn't part of the training was the resiliency when it comes to the overwhelming amount of trauma and what you see when when it becomes too much and they don't they didn't allow you to reset before you go to the next one well and I, and, I, and I think that goes to the original point about integrating that that, that shadow integrating that darkness but I mean we haven't had a chance even to speak yet yeah let's get let's get my old partner in here because uh, him and I talking about uh, uh, a big guy I walked through the door uh, on one occasion when he were working together he and I were working together and this guy said, oh, look at the size of you. And then he walked in behind me, and, and, and John's bigger in, in size for sure. And he's got more tattoos, and he's more intimidating. But we, we've had some experience, and he's been quite exposed. So let's hear from John. Yeah, I just wanted to, to even touch in about how the service dealt with us looking at our dark side. And uh, it definitely cultivated um, the sort of the agreement that you make um, dealing with your darkness. So as, as a reference, if the service saw that you were able to deal with high stress calls and you really weren't afraid or you didn't show that you were afraid. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah not showing, that's different. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, the service promoted that, right? Yeah. Because the moment they realize that you're that type of cop, you, you get that reputation, you have to uphold the reputation. Uh, then they put you in units uh, that are filled with a whole bunch of people the similar, same, yeah, similar. Same clock. Uh, yeah, this, uh, and, and so suddenly the, the, the norm of, of staring into that abyss, you're around a bunch of other people that are exactly the same, so it normalizes that behavior. Wow, that's, that's really interesting. And, and Taryn, when, when you went through you know, basic, I know like going through the even training for soldiers, it's, it's to release the, um, the, the primal, it's to, it's to get you to be accessing that shadow yeah i think uh, i've mentioned this before just in talking with you guys uh, there's a lot of trying to break break the soldier break the person break the person that they were and, and make them somebody somebody that they never knew was 
they had inside of them. Yeah. Um, but one of the ways they would do that is to give you the most ridiculous, you know, tasks that weren't achievable, but yet you were expected to achieve these, even knowing that you're still going to fail no matter what. Um, and trying to find, not necessarily to be okay with what's going on, but trying to look past it and uh, dig inside. And one example of this uh, is uh, when we had to do inspections every morning on our battle school. Um, you know, you, you, hospital corners, the whole nine yards, every shirt had to be pressed, every piece of every pant, no wrinkles, no nothing like that. But then they, they would bring it a next step further. And in the rooms, it was uh, six guys in one room, and it was a half wall. So it was about up to your chest, so you could see across the other room, and it, it was a mirror image of each other. And one of the tasks that they had us do was they wanted us to get into our full fighting order, which for those that don't, don't know what that is, uh, listening in, that, that's your helmet, your, uh, your weapon, your flak, your flak vest, your, uh, your webbing that holds all your ammunition, um, everything. Then we had to do that inspection again. Once that inspection was done, we failed that inspection. They said, okay, now you guys are going to get into your full Arctic gear. So for those people that don't know what that is, that's your uh, huge parka that's rated minus 50, your uh, mukluks, the big white opie dopey uh, boots. And then we had to do that inspection again. But to change it, they made us take our bed and flip it and bring it over to the other guys' rooms. And all the other guys had to do that same thing. Uh, and you only had two minutes to do this. And that, that's not even a stretch. It was two minutes. Everything had to be exact. Uh, and you fail. And then they push you to the brink uh, of wanting to break down. And maybe some guys wanted to cry. Eventually, you turn into a, a laughing mob because you're so... They, they break you. Yeah, you're yeah. so out of your comfort zone at that point in time. You just... There's nothing else to do but think of something different That's ha- than what's happening. Well, and I mean, and, and even speaking to like, and that's exactly okay. So you push past your limits. I remember the first time when I was going through um, and accessing into the shadow and in, into that darkness of realizing what I was capable of. You know, I've, I've been in some fights going through high school, but that's that's just being the boys. And, you know, you just, you're, you're not actually, I'm not trying to destroy you. But, right. you know, you get into, you know, the first time you're engaging, it's the first time you're into, into some CQC and, you know, you're doing your bayonet drills. And then you're actually brought, this is part of the the inculcation to it. And it, it, it sounds, they, they tell you to go to a bar, they get you liquored up, and they put you in a situation where you're going to get into a fight. And, they, and, 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 they're, and they're hardening you up, they're hardening you up. And the same thing, you start, they start spotting the guys who are willing to, or are able to get in and access that shadow. But then it goes, then you get into operations. And this is where they, they where all those walls, where your EMS, police, military, when you actually get into an event and you're exposed to it, and you and, and you get these career paths where you're uh, you see these hyper violent, hyper crazy experiences, you access the shadow, you access that darkness, you access that violence that you have within you in order to protect something, in order to do something that's good, but you're not. And I don't think anyone's figured this out yet. Maybe this is why we're all getting together now as, uh, you know, post-career. There's no program for integrating that shadow actually into an into yourself healthily. You know how to touch it. You're exposed to it. You use it. But then you don't know how to do it afterwards. And it can be overwhelming. Uh, so I'll just speak to this. And I don't know if anybody else has had this situation. Oh, well, most, most likely yourself. But in a combat situation or in a in a combat theater, it's a weird, it's a weird feeling because uh, 
at any given time of the day or any moment of whatever you're doing is you could be walking somewhere and you could die, right? That, that, and that is, a, that is very prevalent. Um, so for myself in that type of a situation, I had to look at what I had done up to that point in my life. And I had to be completely okay with the life I had lived before that. And once I became okay with, with what I had done in my past and where I was at that point in time, I was in bliss. It sounds weird to be in bliss in a, in a, war, in a war situation or in a chaotic situation, but I was, I was happy because there's no other way to look at it. If you, if you think about what may be across the pond back in Canada while you're in that, that type of a situation, uh, it, it's not healthy for you then. That's a little bit of perspective, though, isn't it? Like, it, it really uh, is. It, it's a bit of a more. Uh, well, it's a very effective warrior mindset in in putting yourself in perspective. So really, you accomplish what you need to in your environment, and and, and your mind is uh, is definitely focused on the task. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I th- and I think I'd love to hear from the police on this one because I, I'm with you. I mean, w- once you make that switch over your head, I loved combat. It, it absolutely. I, I, I like. <laughs> I if, if I could have spent the rest of my career. You know, post working in in Africa, doing the private contracting. I mean, I, I mean, I, I really did enjoy that part of it. But that the issue, and and I think, is there aspects of, of when you're in in the policing world where that you, you you don't mind that part of it. It's how how do you handle the aftermath? Well, and and that's the hard part is, in especially in the law enforcement world, is we don't have the ability to leave and go back to Canada. Right. Our our environment is a high, high threat environment, even when we're off duty, because it can simply be as as simple as running into a bad guy that you arrested and they're going to behave dramatically different when you're not in uniform. Um, So to to shut that off is very, very difficult for us to do because our environment is, is, is high threat all the time. And I know I can speak directly to what you're saying about the bliss. The, the moment that I wrote death letters and basically was like, hey, when I die, because it's not a question, if you go through there, if I die, then you're going to be living in a pretty paranoid world. Yes, right, yep. But when you do the, when I die, at least I have all these things buttoned up. Uh, it was a, a calming place to go to. Um, but, you know, to, to go back to the idea of us, you know, looking at our shadow or our dark side, um, the hardest part, I think, and I think this is why a lot of trauma comes out of this, is the service doesn't educate you on, like you're saying, how to access it, but then also how to disengage from it. And then when you leave the police service, you you have to learn how to disengage from that 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 animal that you've been feeding a very very long time. Mm. No, I, you know what, that integrating that part. Um, I want to say, you know, I think, you know, being, uh, being aware of the time, I think this is the, the, the opening, this is the wedge where we say, where does a lot of the damage come from? And, and I think it's a really uh, cool way that you, uh, you brought that in, Jack, is to say this, this touching of the shadow. And now um, we're out to something, part two will be integrating, finding the path, finding the way into actually finding some health. And I'm really, really um, looking forward to hearing how, how you guys have found your tool set to actually uh, get us there. So, uh, Paul, any, any last uh, words of wisdom for us? 
No, I, 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 well, yes, absolutely. There, is. Uh, <laughs> no. there better be a word of wisdom. <laughs> you know, I, I think that's fantastic. We'll, we'll, we'll look into the second part here, of re really tapping into what some of those, uh, those ways are, um, and some of those, uh, you know, some of those tips and tricks that we're going to, uh, we're going to hopefully learn. Joining the Wayfinders Podcast. Find your way. Like and subscribe. Tell your friends. Look us up on the web, www.wayfinderswellness.ca. We're on Facebook, Wayfinders Wellness. You're never alone.